Well, it's kind of interesting that as we come to the next beatitude today, which talks about peace, you know, either being peacemakers or peace breakers, uh, there is a lot of uh, a lack of peace in our world today in a variety of different ways. We look around and people just aren't getting along with each other. And then sometimes even Christ followers fall into that trap of being condemners rather than being gospelers. We kind of join in the mix and the mess. But today we're going to talk about what it means to be a uh, peacemaker and get past this nonsense of breaking the peace. In our reading today, our next beatitude is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It says very simply, blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, as I've been studying these beatitudes and diving a little bit deeper each and every week, uh, with each beatitude, it seems like there's another uh, nail that's driven into a coffin. And inside the coffin is the corpse of a false understanding of what it means to be saved. And the false understanding basically says that if a person can be, they can be saved without ever being changed. There's a lot of that that goes on. Yeah, I can join this church, but I don't want to change. But one after another, the Beatitudes tell us that the blessings of eternity are only given to those who have become new creatures. For example, this is where we've been so far. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Last week, or today, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. So we need to remind ourselves, whether it's a, an anniversary day or just an ordinary Sunday or a Super Bowl Sunday or just a dreary-looking day in February in Hollister, Missouri. Uh, if we don't obtain mercy, the only thing we're going to get is judgment. If we don't see God, we're never going to see him in heaven. If we're not called sons of God, then we're outside the family. And if we're not sons of God, I hate to tell you whose sons we are. We're in the other camp. I mean, these are descriptions of the final salvation and it's promised only to merciful people who are pure in heart and are peacemakers. So again, I'm going to say the Beatitudes, as I keep going through these, it's like it's hammering another nail here. Uh, a long spike kind of banging down on the coffin lid on the false teaching that says, if you just believe in Jesus, you're going to go to heaven, whether or not you're merciful or pure in heart or a peacemaker, etc., etc., etc. But from the very beginning to the end, the Sermon on the Mount, and I don't know how many times I have read this in the last oh gosh, last couple of months. I mean, months even again, preparing for this series of messages. But from the beginning to the end, the Sermon on Mount just says, you know, get yourself a new heart. And I, I say that to myself, Barry, you need, you need a heart transplant sometimes. Or, you know, become a new person. You don't have to be the same person all the time. Or, after all, judgment is coming. Maybe you may remember, you read a little bit further in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. He says, unless your righteousness, in other words, your level of right living and right doing and right thinking exceeds that of who? The scribes and the Pharisees. Man, they were a pretty self-righteous bunch of people. He says, but if you don't even get above their self-righteousness, you're not going to enter the kingdom either. 
And then if you read a little bit further in the book of Matthew, you get to chapter 7, you get to verse 26 or so. The Lord calls out when, he, when he's done with the big Sermon on the Mount. I mean, this is the way I should end the Sermon on the Mount series. Just this one. He says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. You remember how that goes on? It says, they're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. He could say that to us after two years. If we're not doing what I've called you to do or called you to be, maybe you're building on the wrong foundation. We don't want to do that. It says, and then what? The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat against the house, and great was its fall. Every seems like about every week, if not every month, I read about a church that closes. Closed its doors. Their attendance just goes, boom, boom, boom. Gone. See, in other words, I don't want to be judgmental because sometimes I don't want to say, why does that happen? But it can happen because we don't practice obedience. And I would tell you that obedience is not optional. It's not. Jesus is not just making a bunch of, oh, by the way, here's a few things I'd like to have you guys think about. And this teaching is not a series of suggestions on how to make the world better. Uh, rather, Jesus is describing a pathway that all of us should be walking on that leads to life. And as I've gone through this series, I think, too, what's my purpose as the pastor? My pastor is to help you stay on it. And in the process, stay on it myself. And if you're still on the, what, the broad way that leads to destruction, my purpose is to say, I'm glad you're all here today. Let's get back on the road and go in the direction we're supposed to be going. See, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons. And we should probably add in their daughters. You have to understand the Jews only talk masculine words. So the sons and daughters of God. He's not telling us how to become a son of God. Rather, Jesus is simply saying that sons of God are, in fact, peacemakers. People who are peacemakers will be recognized as a son of God at the judgment, and they're going to be welcomed into the Father's house. So if we want to see how to become a son or a daughter of God, uh, we can look at any number of Bible verses. Uh, gosh, I could, I don't know how many, somebody told me last week, he said, I bet you're only preaching on one verse. I think I counted 27 different verses you talked about last week. Okay, there's a lot of Bible verses, but let me give you one. Galatians 3.26. It says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith, through faith. In other words, we become sons and daughters simply by trusting in Jesus for our forgiveness and our hope. Now, Jesus goes on, you know, in Matthew chapter five, and he says that people who become sons of God, daughters of God, display the character of their father. How many of you growing up were told, well, you're just like your dad or you're just like your mom? Now, for me, it's like, man, you're just like your grandma or your grandpa. Sometimes I kind of went, oh, gosh, uh, sometimes I'm, that's not all that bad to be be considered that way. Um, but uh, Jesus is just saying you can become a son of God. You are a son of God. You are a peacemaker. You're recognized as a son and the daughter. And, and, and that's why. Jesus says, uh, not Jesus, but Paul says a little bit later in Galatians 3.26, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons, we might add again, daughters, and he tells us how, through faith. 
In other words, we become sons of God by just trusting in Jesus for our forgiveness and any kind of hope that we have. And Jesus goes on in Matthew 5, 9, and he says, these people who become sons of God have the character of God. Uh, I think about, uh, you know, people would look at my kids and go, man, he's just like his dad. And I thought, I hope that's okay. Or our daughter is just like, like her mom. Um, and he says, you, you have the character. Uh, Romans tells us that the Heavenly Father is a God of peace. Heaven's a world of peace, according to Luke 19. And most important of all, in Colossians 1.20, it does say very simply, God is a peacemaker. So if our daddy is a peacemaker, we should be chips off the old block. Peacemakers as well. And even though by nature, we all have to admit, we are evil, wicked, bad, nasty. We are all sinners. We really are. And in the process, you know, I've lived long enough. Some of you have lived pretty close to as long as I have. Some of you young pups, uh, like that one over there, got a whole life ahead of her. Um, you know, we we still fall away, and we still do stuff that we shouldn't be doing. Um, and even though by nature we commit high treason, no matter what our age is, we're worthy to be eternally court-martialed and hanged by the neck until dead, unless, nevertheless, God has sacrificed his son, he has declared amnesty on those people who believe in him, lay down their arms of uh, independence and come home. So God is a peace-loving God. And I, I pray that we always reflect who we are in Christ so other people say, well, these people are peace-loving people as well. See, the whole history of redemption, uh, climaxing in Jesus' death and resurrection, is God's strategy about bringing about a just and lasting peace between the rebels of sin and then between men and his fellow men. A more peaceful world. See, God's children have the character of their father. What he loves, they love. What our father pursues, we need to pursue. Uh, so, you know, you can know his children by whether or not they're willing to make sacrifices for peace the way God does. That's hard. This is the hard part, is doing it the way he does. But by God's grace, rebels, that's you and I, are born again, brought from rebellion to faith. We are made children of God. We're given a new nature. And our new nature is to look in the mirror in the morning and say, there it is, a child of God. Uh, to put it another way, Paul says in Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. So that you might say, Abba, Father. Romans eight fourteen. for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. So my hope is always that you see why the children of God must be peacemakers. Uh, it's by the spirit we're made children of God. Uh, the spirit is the spirit of peace. And if you're not a peacemaker, it's going to sound kind of harsh. I would suggest that you, maybe you don't have the spirit of Christ. See, we don't earn it. We don't merit it just because we got baptized at a font or dunked in the tank or walked an aisle or whatever. Uh, 
Rather, we owe our new birth really to God's sovereign grace. Nothing we bring, simply to the cross I cling. I think that's an old hymn. So we owe our faith to the impulses of new birth. Uh, We receive the Spirit by exercising our faith in all that we do. And so the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is what love, joy, peace, patience, all the rest of those. And those who bear that fruit are sons and daughters of God. So our salvation, I don't know when you entered the kingdom, where you'd say you entered the kingdom of God. Maybe it was a walking the aisle. Maybe it was baptized as a child. It may be dunked in the tank. It may have been after an extra special great sermon that you never gave any consideration to what this all was all about. Uh, but it's all by grace, no matter how it happens. Uh, it was nothing to do with what you decided to do. It's what the Spirit moved you to do instead. So our final salvation is, is not unconditional because it also says if you're going to count yourself as a Christ follower, you also need to be a peacemaker. And here lies the earnestness, I guess, and the seriousness with which we must deal with these Beatitudes and seek God's grace in our lives. The, the promise of sonship in the Beatitudes is the second half of Matthew 5, 9. It points us a little bit further down into that chapter, the verses 43 to 45, which we're going to eventually get to. It says, both texts describe how we can show ourselves to be sons and daughters. Here we go. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Whoa, who said that? (laughs) He said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons or daughters of the Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun shine on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Now, I hope you heard verse 45 in here. It says, so that you might become sons and daughters of the Father who is in heaven. That thought is the same as in the Beatitude today, that we're peacemakers are going to be called sons of God. So here we need to love our enemies. I don't know who you'd count as an enemy today. Uh, whether it's somebody you personally know, it could be the world as far as I know. Uh, so uh, Jesus thinks of peacemaking as acts of love by which we try to overcome animosity between ourselves and other people. And if we ask for specifics, Jesus actually gives us a couple of examples. Uh, he says, pray that you and whoever you got a problem with, will hallow God's name and that God's kingdom would be acknowledged in your life and in their life. And also pray that you do God's will the way the angels do it. Or pray for conversion, pray for sanctification, pray for purity in another person's life. Or pray for your life and for others that there actually might be peace between you and them. And then if we keep reading through Matthew chapter 5, you get down to verse 47. Jesus gives us another specific example of how to be a peacemaker. And this is kind of where the rubber hits the road in our own personal lives. He says, he gives an example of peacemaking. It sounds pretty weird. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? In other words, if you only walk in with a happy, clappy face, you know, say, hey, Dub, how you doing? Or you go give somebody a hug or you give somebody a handshake or how's Sarah doing? And if you're only doing that with a certain group of people, then other people go, oh, gee whiz. And you walk away from them. You don't want anything to do with it. Uh, see, if there's a rupture in a relationship, 
And I would suggest to you that all of us either have had them in the past, that some of us have them in the present, and no doubt we may run into some in the future, but if there's a rupture in a relationship, if there's somebody in your life that stands in opposition to you, the only thing I can tell you is don't nurse that grudge. Don't feed into that animosity by ignoring them or avoiding that person. Peacemaking is, um, is bridge building. It's bridge building. Now, the sad thing is when you're trying to build a bridge between you and another person, they're out there throwing the bricks down in the ravine and planting the dynamite in certain places. Uh, you know, peacemaking tries to build them. It, it, it wants reconciliation. It wants harmony. And so you try to show what may be the only courtesy an enemy may tolerate, which might just be a greeting. Hi. Nice to see you. You might say, well, how's that going to get rid of the... I don't know, but I say that's a start. It's establishing peace. The peacemaker looks their enemy, the person they got a problem with, and says, hey, good morning, Becky. How are you doing? You know, if we were at odds, she might go, what was that all about? And then she goes, Pastor said good morning to me. <laughs> How are you doing? And he says, well, baby, you need to think about that for a while. You, know, you say it with a longing with peace, not to be a snide person, um, not with a phony gloss or politeness. So we pray and we take whatever steps we can to make peace, beginning with something, like I said, I, as simple as a greeting. Uh, there are a few people that uh, I'm pretty sure don't like me. Um, I'm not even pretty sure I know they don't. Um, partly because I'm a pastor. And I try to be nice to them. And sometimes it's like, uh, hope you're having a, you know, hope you're having a great day too. I mean, that sounds like a snide reply on a Facebook post. So, Pastor, who are you bugging this week? Hey, yeah, a lot of people. Hope you have a great day too. And then you get a what with a question mark. So just whatever steps. Now, we don't always succeed. There are people that you've been on the outs with for years. And sometimes you've been as nice as nice can be. You have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. You've had phone call after phone call hung up on. You've had text messages tell, blocked. You so what do we do? Ah, the hell with them. Pardon my language there, but that's what we sometimes say. But that's not the way we do it. We take whatever steps. That's, that's what you said. You want to be peacemaker. Whatever steps to make peace, beginning with something as simple like just praying for you. You're praying, praying for you. Now, I've, I've said that to people, and I told people, keep your prayers to yourself. Well, I wasn't praying to you. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm going to say to that person. I was praying to God, and God will work on you. You can decide whether you want to listen to him or not. Now, I, I don't want to get into that. A peacemaker, though, looks for peace, works for peace, sacrifices for peace, bends over backwards for peace, and guess what? Peace may never come. Now, Romans 12:18 is pretty important here. Paul said... If possible, so far as it depends on who? You be at peace with all people. 
In other words, don't let whatever rupture there is in life be your fault. Yet, this raises a, I think, a really tough question for all of us. Is it your fault when the stand that you take causes division? If you have alienated somebody along the line and brought down their anger on you because you've done or said what is right, have you ceased to be a peacemaker? My answer is not necessarily. Not necessarily. Remember the Bible first? It says, if possible, if possible, live at peace. Now, Paul would not have said that if he meant for the genuine Christians to compromise the truth in order to prevent division. He's not going to say, well, I'm not going to talk about Jesus to these people anymore. He said, don't compromise that value. You can, you can talk to them in another way by talking to God first and let God deal with them. But be careful how you ask God to deal with them. Lord, when they're walking down the street, lightning wouldn't hurt them much. In fact, it's precisely because some Christians were genuine peacemakers in the days of Jesus in the New Testament. This is why a lot of division that we read about in the New Testament existed. What were the disciples doing? They were countercultural. They loved people. They loved everybody. Now, the disciples struggled with that for a while. But even Samaritans? Oh, gosh, you ask Samaritans too. Remember, they, when Jesus says, let's cut, let's, we're going to go north, but we're going to cut through Samaria, the disciples, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Taking us into this pagan land. And then Jesus ends up converting a woman at the well who runs back and tells everyone about, some, about Jesus. And the gospel began to go again. So it's if peaceable. If possible. And this is why some Christians are genuine peacemakers. But Jesus says in Matthew 10, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the world. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father and daughter, against mother and daughter-in-law, against her mother-in-law. A person's enemies will be those of his own household. That's kind of a sad statement when you think about it. Sad statement that your stand for Christianity, your stand for the truth about Jesus or Scripture may cause a rift. That's why you must love. That's why you must love in spite of everything and why you must love to continue to work for peace. Now, how do you do that? Pardon me, let's see. I don't know. Why don't you guys tell me? I'm going to give you a few suggestions. How do you do that? And some of this is just, you might say simplistic, but you need to pray for these people. Um, I, I make prayer lists. And if you saw my notebook as I go through some morning devotions and I, I think about different people, uh, there are people that I don't necessarily get along with real well. I'm still kind of a Facebook friend, but they post some stuff that just really grinds my gears and just I feel like I want to just unfriend them or defriend them or blow them up or something. And I just, you know, I'm not going to continue arguing with them, but I'm going to continue to pray for them. You can do that. You might actually have the opportunity uh, just to do something nice for them. 
I can't think of anybody in particular right now, but, it, you know, Valentine's Day is Wednesday. Maybe you've just had a little problem with somebody lately and you just send a Valentine's Day, just said, Happy Valentine's Day, just thinking and praying for you. Um, but you must never abandon your allegiance to the Lord in the midst of this. Or abandon your allegiance to his word, no matter how much animosity relationships come piling back on your head. See, it's this warning that Jesus wants to sound when the next beatitude, the next beatitude after this, by the way, says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Okay, so you go, yeah, I'm going to go out and be a peacemaker this next week because the pastor told us to do that. Holy mackerel, you come back and actually, man, I've just got to get piled on all week long. Well, I told you it was coming. <laughs> I warned you. But we're going to leave that subject to next Sunday. Until then, I I would just reiterate what the um, the Beatitude says. Blessed are you. You guys. You peacemakers. Blessed are you people who pray for people you don't really get along with very well. Pray for people who actually seem to be roadblocks in your life. Uh, Pray for people who just are outright cantankerous, stubborn, evil, wicked, bad, and nasty. I could throw that in there, too. Uh, Pray and greet these people like your Father in Heaven would greet them if he came across them. Pray for the reconciliation of people. Don't pray against people. God, take these people home. Lord, change them. Change them. Stop being a condemner. Be a gospeler. Prayer for reconciliation not only to yourself, but to God. And guess what? If you start doing that thing, if you start praying for reconciliation for other people with you and with God, guess what you become? According to my Bible, you become a son or daughter of God. And when you are a son or daughter of God, What do you get? Well, how about forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation? Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal.